Act One of Pygmalion by George Bernard Shaw. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Anderson. Act One Covent Garden at eleven fifteen PM. Torrents of heavy summer rain. Cab whistles blowing frantically in all directions, pedestrians running for shelter into the market and under the portico of St. Paul's Church, where there are already several people, among them a lady and her daughter in evening dress. They are all peering out gloomily at the rain, except one man with his back turned to the rest, who seems wholly preoccupied with a notebook in which he is writing busily. The church clock strikes the first quarter. I'm getting chilled to the bone. What can Freddy be doing all this time? He's been gone twenty minutes. Not so long. But he ought to have got us a cab by this. He won't get no cab, not until half past eleven, missus, when they come back after dropping their theatre fares. But we must have a cab. We can't stand here until half past eleven. It's too bad. Well, it ain't my fault, missus. If Freddy had a bit of gumption, he would have got one at the theatre door. What could he have done, poor boy? Other people got cabs. Why couldn't he? Freddy rushes in out of the rain from the Southampton Street side, and comes between them closing a dripping umbrella. He is a young man of twenty, in evening dress, very wet around the ankles. Well, haven't you got a cab? There's not one to be had for love or money. Oh, Freddy, there must be one. You can't have tried. <sighs> Too tiresome. Do you expect us to go and get one ourselves? I tell you, they're all engaged. The rain was so sudden, nobody was prepared, and everybody had to take a cab. I've been to Charing Cross one way and nearly to Ludgate Circus the other, and they were all engaged. Did you try Trafalgar Square? There wasn't one at Trafalgar Square. Did you try? I tried as far as Charing Cross Station. Did you expect me to walk to Hammersmith? You haven't tried at all. You really are very helpless, Freddy. Go again, and don't come back until you have found a cab. I shall simply get soaked for nothing. And what about us? Are we to stay here all night in this draught with next to nothing on? You selfish pig! Oh, very well. I'll go, I'll go. He opens his umbrella and dashes off strandwards, but comes into collision with a flower-girl, who is hurrying in for shelter, knocking her basket out of her hands. Now then, Freddy, look where you're going, dear. Sorry. There's manners fire. Two bunches of violets trod in the mud. She sits down on the plinth of the column, sorting her flowers, on the lady's right. She is not at all an attractive person. She is perhaps eighteen, perhaps twenty, hardly older. She wears a little sailor hat of black straw that has been long exposed to the dust and soot of London, and has seldom, if ever, been brushed. Her hair needs washing rather badly. Its mousy color can hardly be natural. She wears a shoddy black coat that reaches nearly to her knees and is shaped to her waist. She has a brown skirt with a coarse apron. Her boots are much the worse for wear. She is no doubt as clean as she can afford to be, but compared to the ladies she is very dirty. Her features are no worse than theirs, but their condition leaves something to be desired, and she needs the services of a dentist. How do you know that my son's name is Freddy, pray? Oh, he's your son, is he? Well, if you'd done your duty by him as a mother should, he'd no better than spoil poor girl's fries than run away without paying. Will you pay me for him? Do nothing of the sort, mother. 
the idea. Please allow me, Clara. Have you any pennies? No. I've nothing smaller than sixpence. I'll give you change for a tenner, kind lady. Give it to me. Now, this is for your flowers. Thank you kindly, lady. Make her give you the change. These things are only a penny a bunch. Do hold your tongue, Clara. You can keep the change. Oh, thank you, lady. Now, tell me how you know that young gentleman's name. I didn't. I heard you call him by it. Don't try to deceive me. Who's trying to deceive you? I call him Freddy or Charlie, same as you might yourself if you was talking to a stranger and we should be pleasant. Sixpence thrown away. Really, Mamma, you might have spared Freddy that. An elderly gentleman of the amiable military type rushes into shelter and closes a dripping umbrella. He is in the same plight as Freddy, very wet about the ankles. He is in evening dress, with a light overcoat. He takes the place left vacant by the daughter's retirement. Phew! Oh, sir, is there any sign of its stopping? I'm afraid not. It started worse than ever about two minutes ago. Oh, dear. If it's worse, it's a sign it's nearly over. So cheer up, Captain, and buy a flower for poor girl. I'm sorry, I haven't any change. I'll give you change, Captain. For a sovereign, I've nothing less. Oh, do buy a flower off me, Captain. I can change half a crown. Take this for tuppence. Now, don't be troublesome, there's a good girl. I really haven't any change. Stop, here's three halfpence, if that's any use to you. Thank you, sir. You be careful. Give him a flower for it. There's a bloke here behind, taking down every blessed word you're saying. I ain't done nothing wrong by speaking to the gentleman. I've a right to sell flowers if I keep off the cab. I'm a respectable girl, so help me. I never spoke to him except to ask him buy a flower off me. Oh, sir, don't let him charge me. You know what it means to me. That take away me character and drive me out on the street for speaking to a gentleman. They... There, there, there. Who's hurting you, you silly girl? What do you take me for? It's all right. He's a gentleman. Look at his boots. She thought you was a copper's knock, sir. What's a copper's knock? It's a... well, it's a copper's knock, as you might say. What else would you call it? A sort of informer. I take my bubble oath. I never said a word. Oh, shut up. Shut up. Do I look like a policeman? Then what you take down my words for? How I know whether you took me down right? You just show me what you wrote about me. What's that? That ain't proper writing. I can't read that. I can. Cheer up, Captain. Now haul your flower for poor girl. Because I call him Captain. I meant no harm. Oh, sir, don't let him lay a charge again me for a word like that. You... Charge? I make no charge. Really, sir, if you're a detective, you need not begin protecting me against molestation by young women until I ask you. Anybody could see that the girl meant no harm. Of course they could. What business is it of yours? You mind your own affairs. He wants promotion, he does. Taking down people's words. Girl never said a word to him. What harm if she did? Nice, nice thing, thing a girl, girl can't, can't shelter from the rain, rain without being insulted. He ain't a tech. He's a blooming busybody, that's what he is. I tell you, look at his boots. And how are all your people down at Selsey? Who told you my people come from Selsey? Never you mind. They did. How do you come to be up so far east? You were born in Lisson Grove. Oh, what harm is there in my leaving Lisson Grove? It wasn't fit for a big living. 
Live where you like, but stop that noise. Come, come, he can't touch you. You have a right to live where you please. Park Lane, for instance? I'd like to go into the housing question with you, I would. I'm a good girl, I am. Do you know where I come from? Hoxton. Well, who said I didn't? Blimey, you know everything you do. Ain't no cool man with me, ain't? Of course he ain't. Don't you stand it from him. See here, what call have you to know about people what never offered to meddle with you? Where's your warrant? Yes, where's your warrant? Them say we likes. I don't want to have no truck with them. You take us for dirt under your feet, don't you? Catch you taking liberties with a gentleman. Yes, tell him where he come from if you want to go fortune telling. Cheltenham, Harrow, Cambridge and India. Quite right. May I ask, sir, do you do this for your living at a music hall? I've thought of that. Maybe I shall some day. The rain has stopped, and the persons on the outside of the crowd begin to drop off. He's no gentleman, he ain't. Do him feel with a poor girl? What on earth is Freddy doing? I shall get pneumonia if I stay in this draught any longer. Earl's Court. Will you please keep your impertinent remarks to yourself? Did I say that out loud? I didn't mean to. I beg your pardon. Your mother's Epsom, unmistakably. How very curious. I was brought up in Large Lady Park, near Epsom. <laughs> what a devil of a name. Excuse me. You want a cab, do you? Don't dare speak to me. Oh, please, please, Clara. We should be so grateful to you, sir, if you found us a cab. The note-taker produces a whistle. Oh, thank you. The note-taker blows a piercing blast. There. I knowed he was a plain-clothes copper. That ain't a police whistle. That's a sporting whistle. He's no right to take away me character. Me character's same to me as any ladies. I don't know whether you've noticed it, but the rain stopped about two minutes ago. So it has. Why didn't you say so before? and us losing our time listening to your silliness. I can tell where you come from. You come from Hanwell. Go back there. Hanwell. Thank you, teacher. Ha, ha. So long. Frightening people like that, how he like himself. It's quite fine now, Clara. We can walk to a motor bus. Come. She gathers her skirts above her ankles and hurries off toward the strand. But the cab... Oh, how tiresome! She follows angrily. All the rest have gone except the note-taker, the gentleman, and the flower-girl, who sits arranging her basket, and still pitying herself in murmurs. Poor girl! I'd not for to live without being worried and chivvy. How do you do it, if I may ask? Simply phonetics, the science of speech. That's my profession, also my hobby. Happy is the man who can make a living by his hobby. You can spot an Irishman or a Yorkshireman by his brogue. I can place any man within six miles. I can place him within two miles in London, sometimes within two streets. Or be ashamed of himself, a manly coward. But is there a living in that? Oh yes, quite a fat one. This is an age of upstarts. Men begin in Kentish Town with eighty pounds a year, and end in Park Lane with a hundred thousand. They want to drop Kentish Town, but they give themselves away every time they open their mouths. Now I can teach them. Their mind is own 
business and leave a poor girl. Woman, cease this detestable boo-hooing instantly, or else seek the shelter of some other place of worship. I've a right to be here if I like, same as you. A woman who utters such depressing and disgusting sounds has no right to be anywhere, no right to live. Remember that you are a human being with a soul and the divine gift of articulate speech, that your native language is the language of Shakespeare and Milton and the Bible, and don't sit there crooning like a bilious pigeon. <coughs> Heavens, what a sound! <coughs> you see this creature with her curbstone English, the English that will keep her in the gutter to the end of her days. Well, sir, in three months I could pass that girl off as a duchess at an ambassador's garden party. I could even get her a place as a lady's maid or shop assistant, which requires better English. That's the sort of thing I do for commercial millionaires, and on the profits of it I do genuine scientific work in phonetics, and a little as a poet on Miltonic lines. I am myself a student of Indian dialects, and— Are you? Do you know Colonel Pickering, the author of Spoken Sanskrit? I am Colonel Pickering. Who are you? Henry Higgins, author of Higgins' Universal Alphabet. I came from India to meet you. I was going to India to meet you. Where do you live? 27A Wimpole Street. Come and see me tomorrow. I'm at the Carlton. Come with me now and let's have a jaw over some supper. Right you are. Bar flower, kind gentleman. I'm short for my lodging. I really haven't any change. I'm sorry. Liar. You said you could change half a crown. You ought be stuffed with nails, you ought. Take the whole bloomin' basket for sixpence. The church clock strikes the second quarter. A reminder. He raises his hat solemnly, then throws a handful of money into the basket, and follows Pickering. Picking up a half-crown. Ow! Picking up a couple of florins. Ow! Picking up several coins. Ow! Picking up a half-sovereign. Ow! Freddy springs out of a taxicab. Got one at last. Hello. Where are the two ladies that were here? I walked with the bus when the rain stopped. And left me with a cab on my hands. Damnation. Never you mind, young man. I'm going home in a taxi. She sails off to the cab. The driver puts his hand behind him and holds the door firmly shut against her. Quite understanding his mistrust, she shows him her handful of money. Hapence ain't no object to me, Charlie. Angel Court Drury Lane, round the corner of Micka John's oil shop. Let's see how fast you can make her up it. Well, I'm dashed. End of Act One. This recording is in the public domain.